0: Hi, everyone. Nice to be back up here again. Um, Today, just before we start looking at uh, our new series, uh, Summer of Psalms, I just want to ask how many of you have access to a a Bible, whether it be an actual one you can visit, you hold like a book, or on your phone? Has everyone got one? If you haven't got one, can you get near someone who has one so you can see what we're talking about today? So I'm going to preach in a different way to how I usually preach. Today, uh, this week, God really spoke to me. Um, I was writing on Thursday, a preach about uh, um, the prophetic side of this passage. And I was, I was, I was Don phoned me Thursday and said, Don, what I've written isn't wrong, but it's not what God wants. And half an hour before Don phoned me, God opened something up to me about where he wanted us to go today with this passage. And actually, I was a bit nervous sitting here. I was like, well, oh, what if I've got it wrong? And then today's worship... It was literally just to preach. So I could easily not say anything. I could just say, listen to the words that came, listen to the worship that happened this morning, and that will be enough. But God's opened some more things up to me. So on your cards, you'll see it says uh, A Prophetic Place as the title, but um, we're still going to use that, but our subtitle is A Right Response to Fear and Hard Times. Because with David, in this passage of Psalm 16 we see that he's in a really tough position. So before we do anything, Nick's going to come and read Psalm 16 to us. Okay,
1: Psalm 16. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Thank you, Nick.
0: So, today... We're going to go on a journey with David. We're going to see where he starts off, his progression, and then where he finishes. So I'm quite excited about that. I don't know about you. Um, Once more, I'll start my timer. So the position, the situation. I don't know about you, but life is not always easy. Life can be incredibly hard. In fact... We're promised that we're going to suffer. We're promised we're going to be under persecution as Christians. So it shouldn't come as much surprise that life isn't always good. Well, easy may be a better word. In fact, if we look at Genesis, we live in a broken world. Sin is all around us. Creation itself has fallen. Mankind has messed up beyond belief. And we wonder why there's hard times. God never promises us anywhere in the Bible that our life, our earthly life, will be an easy walk in the park where we can sit down and we can have a fun time, have a beer, have whatever you want. I love cloudy lemonade. Have a cloudy lemonade and nothing will go wrong. He never promises that. In fact, again, God's people have always faced hard times. I'm just going to take a couple of examples from the Bible. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. It's pretty bad, he's facing a hard time there. Not only that, he's then chucked in jail. He's, his life is hard. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. I don't, know about, I don't know if you've ever faced a lion's den. I'm glad I haven't. I saw a video the other day on YouTube of a, a hunter had killed a lion. And um, whilst they were trying to take a photo, we won't go into whether it's right or wrong, whilst they're trying to take a photo, another lion comes up and tries to get... The, uh, the, the man who's shot this lion. The fear on this man of seeing this lion come towards him, and I was like, Daniel was surrounded by lions, and this is one lion running towards this man. Daniel was in a hard place in that lion's den. In the same book, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, glad I said his name right, I often say to bed we go, and he, they were all thrown in a fiery furnace. It's just a pretty hard time for me. Ruth, she was widowed. I don't know about you, I'm married to Leigh, and I, sometimes I get sad of the day that either one of us will be without the other person. I can't imagine what that would be like for Ruth to live and still honour God, even though she was widowed. Job is quite an obvious example. Everything was stripped away from him. He was ill. He, uh, <laughs> he was in mourning. He was lonely. He had some friends that weren't particularly great all the time, shall we say. He... Uh, he was in a pretty hard place. Sarah, is in Abraham and Sarah and Elizabeth, were both barren until a miracle happened. It's quite hard for them. Jesus himself, rejected, mocked, put on a cross. Pretty hard time. New Testament, even more. Paul and many others were put in jail and many, many were killed. So it's quite obvious that God's people face pretty hard times. But today, we come to David. Now, David had a pretty hard life as well, for a lot of it. We come to Psalm 16, and by this point, Saul has become, I was talking to DR about this, Saul has become quite jealous of David. When we say jealous, so much so he wants to kill David. I don't know I've ever felt jealousy to the point where I want to kill someone. So it's got to be pretty bad, hasn't it? It's like, no, I'm so jealous of this man. I'm going to send all my armies after him to kill him. So he sent some men to David's house at one point in, uh, in Samuel. And uh, his, David's wife says, you need to go because your life's in danger. So David flees and he ends up in the wilderness and ends up in a cave. And David sends people after um, Saul sends people after David to kill him. David, at this point in Psalms, is genuinely scared and worried for his life. He's alone, but we know he's a man who's after God's own heart, but his future does seem pretty bleak. But he has had the promises of Samuel. (coughs) So Samuel anointed him and said, you will be king. You will be king of Israel. And he's had other promises over his life. So to me, that still sounds like a pretty terrible situation where you're fearing for life and knowing you've got armies coming after you to kill you. Now, what about you? Your life probably isn't always easy. I'm going to be real with you, my life is not always easy. I was talking to Lay, literally this morning, actually, during worship, which was amazing. Thank you guys for leading us. (coughs) A few years ago, I suffered with depression and anxiety, and there was times where I literally stood in my room and I could, not, I could not do life. I didn't really know what I was facing. I didn't really know what was going on. My mind was all over the place. But I still remember on one occasion standing in my bedroom and saying, God, it's yours. I get, I trust you. I don't understand what's going on, but I trust you and I trust you are my saviour. But what is your really hard situation you're facing today? I guarantee you there's stuff out here. For all of us, that we're facing, that's particularly hard. Now Nick's going to come and read for us Psalm 16 again. And as we're reading it, I want you to think about your terrible situation you're in. Or maybe one that's been the hardest in your, your life. And put yourself in the position of David when he writes this psalm.
1: Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, are pleasures forevermore.
0: Thank you, Nick. So today, as I said, we're going to go on, with, go on a journey with David. How he responded to a terrible situation. I want to assure you that I stand here now and that the examples I'm going to give about David is not how I've always responded in a hard situation. I want to assure you that there's probably not a single... I can assure you definitely there's not a single person here who's always responded in the right way when life is hard. Myself leaders, people you may look up to, we'll get it wrong, we're all human. But what I want to give to you today is just a right response. David does something beautiful in this this passage that if we emulate, I think it can help us. So you don't usually get a challenge at the end of the introduction. But today, my challenge number one is be real with yourself. What is your hard situation you're facing today? What is it that fuels you with fear? And use that to journey today with, with as, as a congregation together, as God teaches us through David, how we can respond to that tough time. As I said, we're going to preach a little bit differently today. I don't usually do this. I usually like to just... go through, see what God's doing, have notes but God leads us, and we're going to do exactly the same for that, but we're going to work our way through the passage today. We're going to go virtually less than verse by verse on this. It astounds me a little bit how how much there is in this. So we're going to start at the beginning, obviously. Verse 1. And I've said verse 1a. Preserve me, O God. And we're going to stop there. Preserve me, O God. David here is crying out. He's like, preserve me, oh God. Preserve me, oh God. He doesn't make it flowery of God. He doesn't say, hi God, it's, it's great to talk to you today. Um, I've done this. I've, I, actually, I'm in a cave. and Actually, i am run away because I'm a little bit worried about death. No, he just screams out and says, preserve me, oh God. He said, Basically, he's crying out, save me, save me, save me. I need you, save me. He is real with his Father. Save me, O oh God. Preserve me, O oh God. He knows he's troubled and distressed, and he doesn't beat around the bush. He just cries out, Preserve me, O oh God. Verse 1, Part B. So he moves from the cry out into the declaration within a verse. For you, for in you I take refuge. David here doesn't say, I know you are my refuge. He's, he's stating, he's de- declaring, for in you I already take refuge. He acknowledges that God is his refuge. He acknowledges, he's saying, you are the one I rely on. He's like crying out, preserve me, O God, for you are my refuge and I know I can rely on you. Even though David still knows that from 1b we see that God is his refuge, he's not ashamed to cry out in 1a, preserve me. He's real with God. He shouts, preserve me, O God, for I know you are my refuge. Interestingly enough, me and Dio were talking about this up to this point, he's got a really interesting understanding, because obviously this is pre-Jesus, so... He's looking at it through a non-Jesus lens at the moment, but we just talked about, before there's a prophetic edge to this as well, we'll come on to later. <coughs> Up until now, God's presence has only been in the tabernacle of the ark of the God, which uh, if you want to learn more, check out the Old Testament, especially the beginning parts. Um, he, you, he, that's where God dwells, essentially, is in this, this ark, which is like a big box, really, or a... The tabernacle, which is like a, a big tent with this, you get smaller and smaller and smaller so you get the holiest the of holies in like this one place where only the high priest can go. Up until now, that's that's David's understanding. And it still is David's understanding, but in this in this one one verse B, one chapter whatever, sixteen, verse one B, he's declaring, In you, he's like, oh, no, I know, I there's like a, a a starting to understand that actually he's in he's in God, for in you I take refuge. It's like his new understanding of the presence of God and the relationship that's already coming here. Verse 2a, I say to the Lord, we'll stop there. I say to the Lord. Now you'll see in the Bible that the Lord here is all capitals. It's like a, it's all capitals, but yet the L is still quite big, which I find quite funny. When you see that, I learned this this week. I should have known this before. When you see that, it means Yahweh, it means God, mighty creator. It's the Hebrew word for for God. So what's he saying here? He just acknowledges God. He just says, I say to God, I say to the creator, I say to my God, I say to the one who rules over everything. Even in the midst of death, he declares, you are God. It doesn't doubt, there's declaration there. You can tell in his body, he's still a bit like, I'm a bit worried here, I'm still fearing death. But he's not afraid to declare, you are God. So he's got, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. You notice this Lord is spelt with a capital L and small letters for the rest of it. This Lord means, I'm master, sovereign. He says, you are God, I say to God, you are my master. You're the one I want to follow. You're the one I want to obey. Again, he's given an understanding of God's sovereignty, but also his willingness to follow him as master and lord, the one he wants to serve. So verse 2c, so we've only done two verses of it so far. We will get to the end, don't worry. I have no good apart from you. So so far, he's recognised God is refuge, He is God, He is Master, and now He is His goodness. He recognises that in David says, basically saying at this point, everything good in me is Yours. I am not good apart from You. There's a admission there that He knows He's weak, He knows that He's getting things wrong, but He's saying everything good in me comes from You. I can take no self-pride or anything in, the, in anything I do right, because all my goodness comes from you. At this point, he's also reminding himself of God's blessing and faithfulness. All that's good in me comes from you. Anything good. I don't deserve anything. I'm bad. I get things wrong. But all that's good is you, in me is you. I remember your faithfulness. I remember your blessing. The next bit says, this is a slightly harder part to go into. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom all is my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. They drink offerings of blood I will not pour out and I will not take their names on my lips. Here he's saying, he's declaring, God, you are my all. So much so, that I will delight in those who follow you, and those who go to another God, I won't even talk about their God, I won't even drink their offerings, I will take no part in their idolatrous ways, because you are so good, you are my all, I don't even want to be, have any hint of me that is not of you, I will, even, I will look away. I will look away from these idolatrous ways and I want to focus on you because you are my all. And those who are following me, following you, I delight in them because they are following you. Next, so we've had refuge God, master goodness, his all. The next one we see that David hits on in declaration is provision. So verse 5 and 6. This is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. David declares here that everything before him, his cup, his, his inheritance, the pleasant places, everything comes from God. You are. For the Lord is my chosen portion. All these good things, these cups and plates or whatever it is, from feast before him. The land, that I've, my pleasant places where I've fallen. You have provided all of that. You are my beautiful inheritance. I have a beautiful inheritance, he declares. He's basically saying here in terms of the pleasant places and the lines, boundary lines, like people, it's another point of discussion about inheritance and all that, but one way of looking at it is they're saying, You order my life. You are sovereign over all. You order my life. You guide me. You've placed me in this good place. These pleasant places. You have placed me here. You are my provision, and I trust you. So all these statements, well, there's one more. Let's not forget the next one. The next bit, verse seven I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the in the night my heart instructs me. David declaring here is saying, God talks to him. He counsels him. He's saying, I know you. You give me peace. Even at night, you instruct me. My heart, another part, is, it's about his, we come onto it, about his body being secure. It's at night, I have peace, I can sleep. Even though, remember what we started off with, under a threat of death, he's declaring, You are my counsel. And in the night, my heart instructs me, because I trust you. You give me peace. He's basically saying here, you're the one I listen to. You're the one I want to follow. No matter what's going on over there in my own life, you are still the one I want to follow. You're the still one who counsel me, who knows my situation. so up to this point we now hit verse 8 up to this point there's been a lot of we've had the cry out the first part of verse 1 and then we've had the declarations but when you read them you kind of tell that that he's progressing in faith as he goes along this journey because you can just tell by the way it's written he's just like oh, okay, I'm going to say these things because I know it's going to build my soul, it's going to build my faith. And we get to verse 8, and it's like this, bang, the shift happens, and he's like, I've made it. And, it says, and let's be clear, the situation has not changed in the moment that he's writing this. He hasn't Suddenly he hasn't heard, oh, Saul has cancelled all the armies. No, he hasn't, he hasn't said that. The situation hasn't changed. God has not changed, because we're promised that. He says it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that hasn't changed. What has changed is David. He's gone from fear... Of death, to go and I know that's still there, but I'm confident in my God. I know that He rules and reigns. I know I can trust Him. I know He's my provision, my master, my God, my refuge, my goodness, my all, my my counsel. So, what happens next? Verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. In that statement, there, he's just declaring confidence and praise of who God is. It's amazing. It's amazing. He's recognizing and exclaiming he cannot be shaken with his relationship with God. He's saying, I know that he is my father and my king, I know he's my God. He's saying, I cannot be shaken from him. There's another verse he writes, "You cannot be plucked, I cannot be plucked from his hand. And there's lots of stuff in Psalms about God's faithfulness. He just loves it. David just gets it. He just starts writing, yeah, God, you are faithful, you are faithful, effectively like that, but in different words. Here he's just gone, I cannot be shaken from you. Because you are at my right hand. And if you don't, we don't really have time to go into the ins and outs of the right hand, but basically it's a good place to sit. And Jesus says exactly the same. Don't ever ask to sit on the left hand side. That does not go down well with the Lord. And uh, (laughs) so he's saying, I cannot be shaken. The next, verse 9: A. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. David's demeanor has changed. His whole being is now rejoicing, not even just one part of him. His whole being is rejoicing. His whole being is praising. His whole body is shouting praise. His whole body is writing stuff down to glorify God. In fact, often the Psalms are sung because he's a being who praises. He's a being who worships. And here he's saying, my whole being worships you, God. Death is, The threat of death is still there. But his whole being rejoices and praises God. He realises God is greater than the situation he's facing. And his praise is in God. And it's for him. Next we get verse 9b. My soul also dwells secure. So he's gone about, yeah, I praise God. It's all okay, I'm just going to, I trust him, I'm confident, I praise him. And he comes back to earth a little bit and goes, and also my, my, my flesh dwells secure, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm in, a, I'm in the wilderness, but I'm alright. Because I trust in you, God. He's confident in this point of God's protection. The journey is amazing that he's gone on. He's praises, he praises and he's confident that his flesh dwells secure. Verse 10, for you, not, you will not abandon me to, my soul to shill or let your Holy One see corruption. Once more we see the move from fear of death to confidence in eternal relationship with the Father. It's amazing. This is pre-Jesus. I don't know if you get this. Like, we're in such a privilege to go, oh, we see through the lens of Christ. Here, God is talking to him, and it's prophetic, and it is amazing. But he doesn't know Jesus. He, doesn't, he hasn't got the book in front of him going, and Jesus will come, and he will do this, this, and this, and he will die on a cross. And there are prophecies that kind of taken place, kind of, by now. But he hasn't had Jesus. But he's going, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. And there's a prophetic edge to that. But also, in doing some more reading around this, he's also saying, you will not deliver me to the place of the wicked. When I die, you will not deliver me there, because you are a faithful God and I love you. Verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David now brings in eternity. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. As I say all of this, remember what I'm saying about the time period he's living in. They've, they don't really understand resurrection. They don't really understand lots of things that are going to come up later on in the Bible. But he's still saying, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, David here is confident that treasure is found in God even though he doesn't see through the lens of Christ he knows the pleasure is found in God you make known to me we'll go back to beginning the verse you make known to me the path of life David knows that God's got a plan for his life he says I trust you I trust you you give me life in the presence there is fullness of joy. Now what a phrase would that be for us as a church? In your presence is fullness of joy. That blows me away. David's standing going, I know. In, pre- in your presence there is fullness of joy. And we spoke about earlier on his understanding of presence would have been limited to the tabernacle and the ark. But he's still saying this. And for us, we're going to come on to the... the um, prophetic edge to this we have the presence of God with us in the Holy Spirit in your presence God so when, we were in the, when the Holy Spirit is with us and he promises us to be with us forever he'll never leave nor forsake us he's our helper he says in your presence is the fullness of joy David is facing death and he's declaring in your presence is the fullness of joy whatever situation I asked you to think about at the beginning you're facing it if you're a Christian here today and you've said I'm sorry, Lord, and I turn to you as Lord and Saviour, you have the Holy Spirit. And he is saying, in in that moment with his presence, you can say, in your presence is fullness of joy. I know my situation is still there, and it's still real, and it's still got pain elements to it, but in your presence is fullness of joy. Moving on. That's the end of the the psalm. So we've learned a lot about David there. But what does that really mean for us today? I said this was a right response to fear or a hard situation. So let's go through the same things again for us. He starts 1A with the cry. Are you real with God? It's a funny story. I will move on quickly. Funny story. When I was about, I think it was year 13 prom. It was either year 11 or 13 prom. You don't know this forgive me um, I really fancy this girl called Rachel we were we got on really well I was so certain we were going to the prom together and I was like I pray to God I said God you're in control of all things I cannot wait to go to the prom with this girl I never asked her and uh we got there and she, she came around my house, and I was prepared to ask her on this occasion. She came around and she said to me, I'm going to the prom with this guy called Dean. Still don't like you, Dean. I'm joking, Dean, I forgive you. It wasn't your fault. Um, a guy called Dean. I think his name was Dean. <laughs> Maybe that was his brother. Um, and at that point, I was full of anger. And I remember, this is, and I said, I'm going to be real with you, I remember responding in totally the wrong way. I remember she went home good, and that's how I thought, (laughs) I ran out to my bedroom and I was like, God, I hate you. God, what can you, do you know when you're like that, I'm not even that young, 16 or 18, it was a very immature response, and I was like, God, I hate you, this is what I wanted, this is what I thought was the right thing, this is, you say you want to bless me, you say you want to give me good things, but you won't even let me go to the prom with a girl I like. I was angry with God, which I think is Okay. But then this is where it went wrong. I denied all that he was. I denied his goodness. I denied that he was in control of situations. And there's been other occasions in my life I've done that. I said I'd be real. I said I'll tell you stories when I mess up. But as I said, emotion is okay. Can I imagine David writing this going, he didn't go, preserve me, oh God. You can imagine him going, preserve me, oh God. He might not shout because he might have been fearful of the the he's coming to you, as he's hiding. But he would have had that same emotion. Preserve me, oh God. So if you're ashamed of your emotions, I want to release you from that now and say, God gave you them emotions. Yes, and we learn in freedom of Christ that we have to learn how to manage our emotions. But it's okay to be real with God. David, as I said at the beginning, does not go to God and say, I've had a great day today, I've hung out in a cave, I couldn't really see much because it was pretty dark. He declares right at the beginning, preserve me, O God. In fact, I think God is asking us to cry out to him. Come running into my throne room, he says. Shout to me, talk to me. Don't make out your life... Is nice to God. He already knows what you're going through. Next, move on to the declaration. I get this wrong as well sometimes. I'm in a hard situation, and instead of glorifying God and declaring who He is, I switch around to condemning me and my situation. David doesn't go, Woe is me, for I am in a cave, and but one sword would kill me in a moment. He doesn't say that. He declares God's goodness. How many times have you been in a situation just like me where you're facing the hard time and you go, oh, I am so rubbish. I've messed up again. Or, and you just criticise yourself. You put yourself down. God's saying, no. Declare who I am. Now, we haven't got much time, so we're probably not going to write them up on the board. But 10 seconds, okay, I want you all as quick on maybe 30 seconds just shout out to me who so David uses refuge strength um, God master goodness and counsel shout out to me who God is to you there's something in David declaring it that released him so I want you just now don't be scared I'm going to shut up for 30 seconds and you're just going to shout at me who God is to you so go more, there's there's 10 seconds left at least keep going thank you how easy was that but you say to me I'm not in that situation at the moment where I'm facing a hard time maybe you could write them down maybe you could stick them up on your wall and when you're facing a hard time go God you are my refuge God you are my master God, you are my goodness, my counsel. Some of the ones God asked me to highlight today was the master one. I thought it would go further and say, you are no longer a slave to fear. He is our master. Sin and fear was our master, but now it's no longer that. He is our master. God always says, he's our comfort, he's our comforter. He's our strength. And Dom, I think you said this one. The last one God really wanted me to remind you of. He is our friend. He wants you to sit down with him and talk to him. So challenge two, we were going to respond to this, but we're going to do all of them at the end. Challenge two is, are you real with God or do you try to cover things up with him? God wants to bring you freedom in that. Next bit. When faced with a situation, do you focus on the problem or do you declare the truth of God? So we can respond to those at the end. Okay. So we had the, the cry of the declaration, and then it went to confidence and praise. So how do we praise? We praise in the light of Jesus. Just like David, the declaration of truth led him to a place of confidence in spite of the situation. I believe God is telling us to do the same. The situation is still there. But he's saying, "Be confident in me and praise me. You have not left me forsaken." Basically, is what David says, and we we declare that even further than that. We declare it in the light of Jesus, knowing that we will not be. We have eternal life. We know that He promises to be with us for forever. You will never leave nor forsake us. I will send you my Helper when I depart. Jesus goes. The Pentecost happens. The Helper is there. The Holy Spirit is there, and He says, "I will be with you forever." We have confidence. In who God is. And the fact that we cannot be taken out of a relationship from him. He is sovereign. I love the sovereignty of God. I'm very much sovereignty of God. And if we believe he is sovereign and he says you are saved, you are saved. It doesn't matter if I muck up. Because then that becomes me mucking up. And God not doing the work. God saved us. So, when you're in that situation, he says to you, I have saved you. I have sent my son who died on a cross and is risen and is sitting at my right hand again, right hand of me. So you can have a relationship with me in a fullness. See, we are promised we will never be plucked from his hand. So that's praise. And often we think of praise, we think of singing. Psalm 96, verse 1 says, Sing a new song to the Lord. So you don't always have to use a song we know, you can just sing. Sometimes I will just sing, and sometimes it makes sense, and sometimes it doesn't. But some, we can just sing a new song to God. You can start off with, like David did. Can you imagine David singing this? I won't, I won't sing it. Maybe I will. Preserve me, O oh God, whatever you sing, right? And then he declares his truth in song. We can do that. We can start off with the, the cry out and sing the truth and be confident and praise him. There's a song that um, I know not everyone is a huge fan of, but I quite like, so I'm going to use it because I think it sums up the point pretty well. It's called Raise a Hallelujah. It says, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arrive. Death is defeated. The king is alive. I will raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I will raise a hallelujah louder than my unbelief. I will raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I will raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. David, to me, if that doesn't represent what David's doing, this end part of the psalm, I don't know what does. He's saying, I will praise you. In the midst, Was it? Uh, in the middle of the storm, whatever it is. In the middle of the storm, I'm going to sing. That's what David is doing. He's living out this, verse, this uh, song we have here. In the middle of a storm, I will praise you. I will raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies who surround me. Because you are bigger. You are sovereign. Here's another song. It says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. David could have had armies right, right, all around the wilderness when he's in this place. And he could have sung... It may look like I'm surrounded, because on earth I kind of am, but I am surrounded by you. Your presence is in the fullness of joy. The fullness of joy is in your presence. I am surrounded by you. So my last challenge. Are you confident in what God has done for you? As I said, if you're not, or you forget them in a the hard time, write the statements down. Read them when times are hard. Write down what God is saying to you. Write down what He's saying about you. Write down what He's saying. Write down what He's done in your life. And finally, in spite of your situation, will you turn to praise, or will you turn back to the situation? Now, we're going to finish there. There was one more point about the prophetic promise, but we've covered a lot of that already throughout this. And in fact, one last note. Um, Peter uses these verses, Psalm, in Acts 2, verse 25, to talk about Jesus and what he's done for us. So I urge you to read that as well. But what I really, really, really urge you to do, read Psalm 16. When that situation is hitting you hard, and you're, like, I don't know where to turn. Read Psalm 16. Journey with David. Cry out, declare, become confident despite the situation that's still there, and praise God for who He is. Now it's, it is end of time, but if I'm allowed to, I feel God really wanted us to respond to this in a song. So we're going to sing a song, um, the worship team are going to lead us in that, and as they come up, I'm just going to pray over these challenges, and I want you, if, if you, I'm going to read the challenges again, if any of them respond to you as I'm praying, I want you to be brave and stand up, and I'm going to declare a praise at the end. yeah, hey, sit down until the song starts, otherwise it's not going to work, is it? Um, so sit, uh, challenge one, uh, no, let's go straight to challenge two, that's probably better. Challenge two. Are you real with God or do you try and cover up the situations even though he knows them already? When faced with a bad situation, do you focus on the problem or do you declare the truth of God? Challenge three are you confident in what God has done for you? Or are you confident you to, and in spite of the situation, do you praise? So if any of those are uh, resonating with you now and God's saying actually I need to respond to that I'm going to encourage you to stand up now those who already stood up thank you very much for responding anyone else feel free to stand up it's not a scary thing trust me responding a good, is a glorious thing thank you so I'm going to pray quickly and then we're going to sing a song to finish Lord we thank you the fact we can be real with you so for those of us who are standing up who try to cover up what's going on oh, I just speak your freedom over them now I speak the freedom of, like, from fear of coming to you and being real whatever it is that holds people back to come to you and saying God life is hard save me God we just speak release over them now and those who are faced with a problem find it hard to declare the, the your promises your truth Lord, I speak right now your spirit to come and remind them in that situation of what your truth and and what you say about us is. Help them to actually verbally, out loud declare your truth in that situation. Lord, we thank you for the fact that even in David's example the situation doesn't disappear but he still declares your goodness. Thank you you're aware of the situation but he still declares your goodness. And Lord, those who stood up who sometimes waver on what you've done for them. Lord, I pray right now you bring confidence to them, knowing that you have saved them, you've set them free, knowing that they are seated with you in heavenly places, knowing that you promise never to leave nor forsake Him, promise your spirits with them. We speak that over their lives now. And Lord, those who stood up because when a situation is hard, find it hard to turn to you in praise, Lord, I speak a joyful soul right now on them. I speak your spirit to come and bring them joy bring them laughter bring them praise bring them melodies they've never sung before and we pray right now that as they're standing if that is what it's for we pray that next time there's a hard situation even if it's now their tongue will become alive for your spirit and they will just sing a glorious noise to you knowing that you are in control despite the situation you are worthy of praise you are worthy to be glorified and Lord we just pray now for all of us standing or sitting that no matter what happens we know you are sovereign we know you will not abandon our soul to shield we have eternity with you and lord we just pray right now that when that situation comes for all of us we will praise your name and declare your goodness amen